wearing my reindeer socks today. It's going to be a good day. These are my old preaching socks. I used to not preach unless I was wearing these socks. And then I was like, well, there's no Jesus in these socks. I don't know if that actually helps. Uh, I'll just be a little bit superstitious. But today is going to be a good day. A couple of things that I want to remind you guys about. First of all, it's Father's Day. So if you haven't, tell your dad happy Father's Day. Uh, if you can't do that because maybe he's passed away or something like that, then we want you to know that we're here for you. We're going to love you. We're going to walk through that with you. Uh, but if you're able, just shoot them a text. Give them a call. Go see them afterwards. Buy them lunch. Whatever you want to do. But make sure you remember that today is Father's Day. I want to do a special prayer for fathers real quick. So there's some fathers in this room. If you know there's a father, I want you to go put your hand on their shoulder. Okay? So that means there's going to be movement if you're not a father. Because you're going to have to go find a father. And you're going to put your hand on their shoulder. And we're going to pray for them real fast. Yeah, we got Tyler. We got Eric. We got John back here. Uh, we, got a, we got a father in the back right corner right here. So a Joey, right? A Joey back here in the back right corner. Uh, we got Donnie. He's a father. Well, kind of. So and we got these fathers right here. So we're going to pray for these fathers right quick, and it's going to be an awesome day. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you have been our father. But Father, you call us to be dads, Lord God, the kids that you bless us with. Lord God, help us to be intentional dads who love them. Father God, help us to be intentional dads who walk with them. Tell them about your glory and teach them about all the ways that you have moved in our lives, in the word, and through the world. Father God, help us to raise up disciples. Help us to raise up disciples who never part from you your word because our kids are so entrenched within your word. Father God, help us not to be people who say you're going to go to church or there's no other option, but Father God, help us to be people who communicate, fathers who communicate, fathers who teach, not fathers who are too quickly to exasperate, Father God, or to discipline, but fathers who are quick to listen and slow to speak. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so it's going to be a great day, like I said. The next thing is, we are in this series called keys, right? Unlocking a victorious life or a life of victory, however you want to word that. But you guys remember, I told you we're going to have some keys to give away. So we got these this week and they're adjustable leather bands. So if you're like, I got a really fat neck, that's cool. We got you. Eric, you don't got a fat neck. You got a muscular neck, son. You got muscles in places I've never seen muscles. So... <laughs> Tyler's like, yeah, I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> He's like, I work out, just not like that. And, uh, <laughs> wow. That was good. Uh, anyways, so. <laughs> you, just, you just pull. I'll have a lesson that you learn how to use the leather bit afterwards. But So on these keys, remember, we're unlocking a victorious life. On these keys, it says loved, okay? Many of you have seen these giving keys that you wear around your neck, and when you see somebody who needs that message, you give it to them. Okay, I'm going to give everybody one of these keys today. And you're going to wear this key around your neck, you're going to carry it in your pocket, whatever you want to do. And when you see somebody, or you might have somebody in your heart right now, who you know needs to know that they are loved. Right? They need to know. You're going to take this key and you're going to give it to them. And maybe you follow Jesus, right? Maybe there's people here who follow Jesus and they have one of these keys. And you can say, hey, let me tell you about how I'm loved and how I came to learn that I'm loved. Let me give you this key because you're loved by that same father. You're loved by that same God. And you're going to bless them with that key. Here's the deal. I don't care if you invite them to church. I don't care if you invite them to small group. I just want them to know that they're loved. If you want to invite them, you go ahead and do that. You say, hey, I have a, I have a small group. 
We're like family there. They want to love you too. How about you come hang out at our small group? Do that. Don't feel like you have to, but just let them know that they are loved. So everybody's going to get one of these today. So on your way out, they'll be back there at that. Actually, no, I'm just going to have Taylor pass them out at the end of service. And everybody's going to get one of these. Don't leave without it. Maybe you've got that person on your heart. Maybe you're going to see that person at the grocery store. I don't want to see you continually wearing these. Remember, these are not fashion statements. They have these. You can buy them for 60 bucks a piece at Anthropology, whatever it is. I'm giving it to you for free so you can give away. So you take this and you go love somebody well today, tomorrow, or this week. But make sure you make it known to them that Jesus loves them, that they have a father and he deeply cares for them. Because the one thing that the world is in shortage of is knowing that they are loved. Knowing they're loved by a father and knowing they're loved by you. So let's change the world today, okay? When you go to lunch for Father's Day, let's change the world. When you go to the Walmart today, let's change the world. Right? When you go to work tomorrow, let's change the world because the Father has given us the power to do it through His Son, Jesus Christ. So let's make that happen. So today, we're going to continue this series called Keith, but we're going to take a second away from the book of Joshua, okay? So we've been going through the book of Joshua, but the Father kind of laid on my heart that He wants me to preach from Romans 8, so we're going to do that in just a second. But I have a bunch of stories I want to tell you guys. Okay, number one, I want to talk about Corey's story just a little bit more. So God told me to plant a church like four years ago. And I was like, okay, God, let's figure all this stuff out. So I started praying about it, and Sarah was like, no, we're not planting a church. And I was like, okay, God, I guess I still got to plant a church. I just got to get started. No, I'm just kidding. So we started praying through it and all those things. And God laid on my heart a church that was a family, right? In Acts chapter 2, it said when somebody had need, everybody would sell all their stuff and come to people and say, hey, I got you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about your medical bill. Don't worry about your car. Don't worry about you can't buy groceries. I'm going to take care of it. And I was like, man, what would it look like to have a church like that? And so I started praying, and then God told us to come here. We came here, and for two years we've been cultivating this small group culture where it's not about Sunday mornings, but it's about small groups. Where you're in small groups, and you're with family, and you're getting to know people. You're being discipled in there. You're having one-on-one relationships where people are pouring the word into you. But you're also having group time where God is just moving. You're getting to know people. And then you come here, we get to be pumped up, we get to see everybody, and it's like a family reunion, right? So we get to come, we get to see the whole church. And the person that blessed Corey is somebody that I've been discipling, and three months ago, God told me, hey, tell Nick that he's going to be, or tell somebody that he's going to be radically generous. I messed up. Uh, Tell somebody that he's going to be radically (laughs) generous. Okay? Apologies. (laughs) Nobody heard that. Hey, I don't care. It's cool. So, anyways, he told me that. Tell that person they're going to be radically generous. I'm all sweating. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, he's like, tell somebody that he's going to be radically generous. I was like, okay, God, this is a little bit uncomfortable for me. Because <laughs> I have to tell somebody they're going to be radically generous. I was like, but I'm going to be faithful to you, Lord. And I told him, he was like, okay, how? And I was like, I have no idea. you got to pray about that. <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure what it is. I was like, I know it's not to me. So he started praying, and I started praying, and then last week he came to me, and he was like, hey, I think God is telling me to radically generous to Corey. And I was like, I have no idea. (gasps) He was like, what do you think? I was like, I have no idea. I was like, let's go back through your week and see if God spoke to you. Because that's part of discipleship, right? Like teaching them to hear from God. So we started talking, and he was like, well, Corey told me that his cars broke down. And I was like, okay, stop right there. Remember how I said I didn't know what it was? I know what it is now. 
And he was like, me too. And I was like, cool. So you're supposed to fix the car. I was like, how much is it? He's like, I don't know. I was like, oh crap, this just got a lot more interesting. Because radically generous to me is like 100 bucks, right? And I was like, well, call Corey and find out. He was like, it might be like five, 600 bucks. I was like, that's going to be awesome. And he called me later at night, and he was like, it's $2,000. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, shoot. I was like, well, we'll help you. <laughs> and he was like, okay, cool. And then he called me back later. He was like, God told me that you're not supposed to help me. I was like, okay. I was like, that's all I'm going to sure you're going to do that. And he was like, yeah, God blessed me to where I'm at this point. He's like, it's going to be scary, but I'm going to do it. And I was like, okay. And then I called Corey. I was like, Corey, what the heck did God just do? Right? Like, what the heck did God just do? And Corey's getting ready to quit his job in August to pursue full-time ministry with us where he's not getting paid. He has to raise his own money. And so that this happened at this time was pretty crazy, right? And Corey was, I was like, Corey, how much money you got? And he was like, well, a certain amount that is below the amount that I need, and it's not even close. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. And so I tell you guys that story because I don't want to brag on anybody except for God. And I tell you guys that story because these two are in, this, in a small group. They have a relationship. Just like Acts chapter 2, they're coming around to be a family to each other. Right? And one day, Corey's going to have that same opportunity where somebody comes to him and shares a need. And Corey's going to be like, well, it just so happens that God told me I was going to need to do this. Right? And he's going to do it. And it's going to bless them. Because that's what being a family is about. It's not always just about money, okay? So don't feel like I'm saying that. Sometimes it's just about coming alongside somebody whose mom has passed away or his grandma has passed away or is just having a really hard time at work. And you're coming around and you're giving them your time and being generous with that. How cool is that that we get to do that? How cool is that that we get to look different than the world and we get to come alongside people and we get to bless them and we get to be family to them? Let's pray real fast. Father God, thank you so much for this time that we get to come together and we get to hear your word. Lord God, thank you for these people who have been generous, Lord God. Forgive me for saying the name that I was not supposed to say. And Lord God, help me to just move forward in your power and your strength. And I pray forgiveness upon that person that he would forgive my heart. Lord God, I pray that we would just have a great day, that you would continue to create family, that you would continue to have such a movement here that nobody can stop it. Father God, I'm not praying for a revival. I'm praying for a continued revival. Lord God, I'm praying that your spirit would be poured out on a special way in Spartanburg like it's never been seen before and Father God that it wouldn't stop here but it would go to Easley and it would go to Inman and it would go to all these places Father God that it would go to Ohio that it would go to Florida and Georgia and California Father God that people would look differently because of your gospel that people would feel love because of who you are that your blood would be poured out in such a way Lord God on that cross that people would remember it and people would see it Father God and they would have community come around them and help them understand it's not about their mistakes and it's not about who they are but it's about who you've made them into father god it's who you've created them to be help their hearts to yearn and help us to be the ones delivering your message as mailmen as postal people whatever delivering the message of your glory and your salvation we love you and we praise you in jesus name amen it's gonna be a good day so have you guys ever been like man i wish i wouldn't have made this decision at this point in my life or have you ever been like, man, I wish I would have never met this person because they ruined my life. Or have you ever been like, man, I shouldn't have done that. And when you go to bed at night, all you do is think about that. You think about that one decision that altered your life in your head. Or you think about a decision that's coming up and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I want the right path. So you're praying and you should be praying and you're praying and you're praying. And you say, God, 
Don't let me miss the opportunity. You say, God, let me pick the right one. God, let this happen. God, and it consumes your brain, and you're just thinking about that decision you have to make, and you're just being so hard on yourself because you're like, I can't make the wrong decision. Or you know God's calling you to something. You're like, I have to get the calling right because I can't keep doing what I'm doing. It's not what I'm called to do. And it just consumes your brain. And you're like, or I wish I would have made this choice back then. I wish I would have went to college. Or I wish I would have chosen this career. Or I wish I never would have dated that girl. Or I wish I never would have dated that guy. Or I wish I would have put oil in my car. <laughs> right? I wish I would have known what a head gasket was. Like we all have those things in our life. I, man, I'm right there with you. I had a 1987 station wagon, didn't put oil in it for three months. Went outside, started it up, and it was making this clunking noise. And I was like, okay, what's happening? And my mom was like, did you put oil in it? And I was like, no. <laughs> and so I went to the store, got a bunch of oil, poured it in there, praised the Lord. Somehow it started not making, uh, stop knocking, which doesn't happen, but Jesus is good. And so I feel you, man. <laughs> Donnie's done it too. Everybody in here. Actually, I killed my transmission. Yeah. I didn't know who you were supposed to do transmission I didn't even know transmission fluid was a thing. I need to check that on my car. Where's <laughs> <laughs> Cole? Our one mechanic is not here. So it's like we have those things in our life where we're like, I wish I would have done that. And it consumes our mind. And we think it's drastically altered our lives, right? We're like, man, this has changed everything about my path. I would have been so much more successful if I would have done this. I would have been such a better follower of Jesus if I would have done this. I'd be so, I'd be happily married right now if I wouldn't have done this. Like we start to think that the future could be drastically altered by our past mistakes. Or we start to think about those future decisions and we're like, man, I don't want to miss the guy or the girl that God has for me. I have to be so careful and I have to set these such high standards and I have to make sure that they just don't walk by me on the street. I got to be aware. I got to have my eyes open, right? I got to be ready. Because I could miss them. Well, I think that's how our human mind thinks. But today I want to look at a little bit of a different perspective about this. And it's from a verse that you're like, man, I've heard this verse a million times. Because it's Romans 8.28. And if you've been in church any amount of time, you're like, man, I hear this every day. This pops up on my phone for my daily encouragement from the Bible app at least three times a month. You know what I mean? Be like, I got this as a knit above my bed hanging right there. I got a shirt that says that. My grandma got this for on a pillow, and it sits on my couch. Right? But I think we look at these verses, and we don't always understand these verses. So I want to check them out just a little bit more today. So like I said, Romans 8, verse 28. If you don't have a Bible, we'll get you one. So just let me know if you don't have one. There's one out in the lobby. If you need one, just let somebody know. They'll grab you one. Uh, but if you have your phone, I'm, I'm cool if you use that. Like you pull your phone out, you use that thing. Uh, it's not on the screen today because I would rather you use what you have. So let's use your phone or let's use your Bibles. Again, Romans, verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So obviously, we usually don't read verse 29. It's usually just verse 28. 
Right? It's usually just verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we think about these verses, and these verses are encouraging. They should encourage you so much. But we have to look at some key words in these verses, plus we have to understand the context that they're written in. So let me kind of paraphrase Romans 8 for you. So Romans 8 is talking about how we have a flesh, okay? We have a body. We have a worldly desire or a sin nature. And when we're born, we crave sin, right? Like I have a daughter. I don't have to tell her to be defiant. She just does it. She likes to disobey, right? Automatically, right out the womb. She was like, you want me to do this? No way, I'm out of here. Titus, on the other hand, seems like he's going to be a little bit different, but he still is not very good. So it's just that we're born with this sin nature. We want flesh. We crave sin before we even know it's sin. And so, like, I'll tell Ellie to do something, and she'll be like, she'll look at me and give me these looks. Because if you ever met Ellie, you know her whole everything is on her face. If she gets my mouth where she doesn't have a filter, she's going to be in big trouble because there will be no hiding anything. Face, mouth, the whole thing. Everybody's going to know how she feels all the time. It's going to be a disaster. So like Ellie, I'll tell her, hey, go put this diaper in the trash. And she'll look at me like this. And then she'll pick the diaper up and prepare to throw it at me. And I'm like, Ellie, where did you learn that from you? And I'm like, okay, but anyways, so go put the diaper in the trash. And she'll just carry it around sometimes. <laughs> she'll go to the garbage can, look at it, and be like, nah. <laughs> and she'll just walk around with it, right? Because Ellie likes to defy what we say. Ellie is stubborn. Ellie has a sin nature. And as we grow up, we start to realize we really have a sin nature, right? Because we start to crave things that are bad. We start to want things that we see. We start to want to lie for no reason. We start to see our parents and they tell us to do a specific thing. And we're like, well, I know just a little bit better. Why don't you listen to me? And we start to have these desires for like sexual things. And we start to get involved in pornography or in alcohol or even in drugs. And we start to realize that there's something inside of us, something inside of us who just craves this. Who just wants this. We, in Romans it literally says. We don't understand why we want it. We just want it. We don't understand why we crave sin. We just crave it. And Paul is saying in Romans 8. Basically you have to begin to live by the spirit. And if you're living by the spirit. Your flesh will become less. And your spirit will become more. Now let's talk about what this word spirit means. Because I think especially if we've grown up in a traditional Baptist church. We do not understand what the word spirit means. Maybe you've heard it as Holy Ghost if you're a KJB. If you're that, that's cool. That's awesome. I don't preach from it because I can't say the words. And uh, it's, just, it's just my lack of intelligence. And so maybe you've heard Holy Ghost. You've heard Holy Spirit. You've heard Helper. You've heard Counselor. Whatever the case may be. But the Spirit is the Trinity of God. So it's Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is a part of Jesus and the Holy Spirit is a part of God. See, they're all one in three separate things. It's something really complicated. And I can't explain it right now, but just trust me. They're three in one. And if we want to have a conversation about it, hit me up. We'll sit down and we'll do it. I'll get an egg and I'll try to figure that out. And uh, so they're three in one. Now, Jesus, when he came to earth, he says, don't worry. I'm going to go back to heaven, but I'm going to send a helper for you. I'm going to send somebody to remind you. I'm going to send somebody to counsel you. I'm going to send somebody who will even speak through you. And that's the Holy Spirit. 
And so God sent his spirit when Jesus ascended into heaven and the spirit came upon people and then it came upon believers. And now when you have a relationship with Jesus, that means relationship with Jesus means acknowledging that there is a God and your need for God and embracing a relationship with him. Not just having knowledge, but walking with Jesus Christ, walking with God the Father. When you do that, the Holy Spirit then comes and enters you. Now that sounds Weird. Okay? That's okay. That's what happens. And if you're like, I want to know more about this. We don't have time today, but we can jump into this in a little bit of a discipleship, maybe in a small group. So you just let me know. And so the Spirit takes possession of us as believers. The Bible also refers to it as a seal. Where that's how we know, that's how we have been marked as a follower of Jesus, as someone who has a relationship with Him. And so the Holy Spirit is our helper and our counselor. When we have a question about the Word of God, we can rely on the Holy Spirit to teach us and other believers to help us understand. Jesus told his disciples, when you come before somebody and they question you, just pray for the words and the Holy Spirit will give them to you. Now, does that mean you're going to magically have the right words all the time? No, that's not what that means. It means that if you are filling yourself with the Word of God, the Spirit is being fed. And when you're feeding yourself, when you're studying the Word, when you're, this is becoming a part of you, when you come to a point where you need something, the Holy Spirit will speak through you because the Holy Spirit is well-fed and you're well-fed. So the Holy Spirit is this amazing thing that we get as believers, where we get to grow with God, where we literally have God inside of us. Where our sin nature is becoming less because the Holy Spirit is becoming more. But the Bible says we have to continually reject sin. Because the more we partake in sin, which sin, remember we talked about this last week, is just a fancy word for disobedience to God. So disobeying the Father God, right? So when we have sin, we have to make it less. Because we all have sin. We have all disobeyed. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. So we have to make that sin less. We have to begin to reject it. Remember, we called it consecrating ourselves last week. Coming before God, admitting our sin, and walking in repentance. So as that sin becomes less, as we start to say, well, pornography is really good, but God is better. And we start to put it aside and we start to grow. We're going to make mistakes, but as we start to make it less in our lives and God more, the Holy Spirit takes more possession of who we are and we become more like Him. The Bible refers to it as the renewing of our minds. How good is that? That the Holy Spirit gives you power over sin. So as the flesh becomes less and the Spirit becomes more, you start to realize that your decisions look different called making a decision based off God instead of a decision based off Joanna. Insert name. Right? Like you start making decisions based off God instead of decisions based off your sinful desire and your sinful flesh. And then you start to see that you're changing. You start to see that you care about people like you never did before. You start to see that the decisions that you make in your everyday life are just a little bit different. When you come home on a Friday night, you're like, well, I could go get drunk And maybe even find somebody to go home with and have a really great time and then in the morning feel like crap. Or you're like, well, I could just go have a really good time, maybe have one drink, hang out, have fun with people, have some good times and remember what I did in the morning. Right? Like you start to realize, man, that sounds a lot better than the other one. 
You start to say, well, that sounds a lot better. You're like, man, I can go dancing and not have to get completely and totally wasted to where I don't remember dancing. Maybe I'll learn a new move and actually remember for once. You know what I mean? Like, you can do that. And you're like, man, that sounds a lot better. The spirit is changing me. Or you come home and the house is empty and you're like, man, it's been a hard week. Pornography would make me feel complete right now, right? Or you could be like, well, or I could leave this empty house and leave this temptation and go hang out with somebody who will tell me what a relationship really looks like. You know what I mean? Or I can go on a date with an actual man or woman and not feel any pressure to sleep with them. I can just go on a date. I can just go out with friends. Or I can call my small group and I'll be like, hey, man, you guys want to go do something? Because <laughs> I'm just really struggling right now. See, we begin to see that our decisions look differently. We begin to see the people that we want to hang around with look differently because we want to be encouraged by them. Now, don't take that as me saying you should not hang out with people who are far from God because you should. But sometimes we just need that encouragement from the family, from fellow believers. And as the Spirit grows in us, we begin to realize that's what we desire. We begin to realize that there's a change taking place. That there's something called sanctification happening within our heart. Now, sanctification, that's a big word, right? I googled it last night. I found out what it meant. So basically, it's starting on a track and it's progressing toward Jesus. It's becoming more like Him. It's progressing toward glory. It's like you started from the bottom and now you're here, right? Is that a song? <laughs> so, it's like you're progressing in that. You're growing in that. You're starting to see transformation or change because the Holy Spirit is taking more of you. The Holy Spirit is giving you better emotions. The Holy Spirit is giving you a clearer perspective. Because the truth is, a lot of the time the emotional struggles we go through are a result of our sin. We look at ourselves and we see inadequacy. We look at ourselves and we see that we'll never be married because we don't understand how much Jesus loves us. Because of a result of our shame and our sin. So the Holy Spirit becomes more and that helps us understand our decisions in a better perspective. So we start to make decisions in a better way. Okay, so it says here, Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. All things work according uh, for the good of those who love Him. Love, spirit, making decisions based on the Holy Spirit is loving God and not yourself. And they work together for the purpose of those who have been called by him. It says right here, who have been called according to his purpose. See, when we read these verses, a lot of things we think, well, God's got plans for us. As long as we have a love for God, everything will be okay. And no matter what I do, it's going to be totally fine. I can make a decision, but God still loves me, and it's going to turn out how God wants it to turn out. Well, see, if we're making decisions based off our flesh, we'll end up making worse decisions. And our decisions will end up making worse decisions. And the decisions that we have will have a blast radius that is pretty big. Because if we're acting upon ourselves and making decisions based on ourselves, then we begin to realize we have made a lot of bad decisions. And we begin to realize when we make bad decisions, it kind of becomes addicting. And we make one bad decision, and we're like, well, we've already done this. We're already this far. Why don't we go a little bit further? And they were like, well, I've already done this, this, and this. How about I go just a little bit further and do this? And then I go a little bit further and I do this. It's like stealing a candy bar. And then you're like, well, I've stolen a candy bar. Why don't I steal a car? You know what I mean? Our minds just sin begins to take us and begins to take control and just progresses us down this path. You're like, well, I've already smoked marijuana. Why don't I do some cocaine? You know what I mean? 
I know I said that really interestingly. But it's like, and then it progresses you down this path. I like to say it like that. And it progresses you down this path. And it's like, well, if I dabble a little bit, it'll be okay. And then you go further and you go further. And eventually you're just stuck. And you're like, man, all these decisions have been so bad. I thought God loved me and all things were going to work together according to his purpose. See, but we have to understand that these verses were written for people who are following God. Now, don't un- understand me. I'm not saying those who don't follow God are uh, able to access this. I'm saying that these verses were written for people who are following the Holy Spirit. See, when you're following the Spirit, you're making good decisions and you're enacting something called sovereignty. Now, sovereignty is this really cool word. Okay, got a dictionary out, found out what it meant this week. Sovereignty is God's ability to take care of situations and work everything together for his good. See, sovereignty is what helps us understand you've made bad decisions. It's okay because God is going to use those for good. Or someone has made a bad thing to you or done something awful to you. Well, here's the deal. God is going to use it for good. Or you're worried about a decision that you have to make. Well, here's the deal. Trust the spirit and God will cover it with his sovereignty. Trust the Spirit in whatever decision you make. It has become a part of God's will, and He'll take care of you as long as you're making a decision based off Jesus and not a decision based off sin. Does that make sense? Y'all trekking? Y'all feeling me? Okay, it's going to be a good day, I promise. I know this has been a long workup to where I'm getting to right now, but God has us. We don't have to worry about missing out on what God has because God knows you. The Bible said that God knew you before you were created in your mother's womb. Before he knitted you together, he knew everything about you. He knew your uniqueness, and he knew the purpose that you would serve. He knows the decisions you will make. He knows where you will be. You don't have to worry about missing out on what God has for you because he's already prepared it just for you. He already has it figured out. Our decisions should not stress us to a point where we think we're going to miss out on God. Our decisions should be a way that we see what God really has. Our decisions should not be a cancer. Our decisions should be a way that we pave the purpose more for the will of the Father. See, we think that our decisions have such a hefty, load-bearing weight upon us. And they should. But as long as we're making decisions based on the Spirit, God will work all things together. God will use even the bad. Even if you make a bad decision, guess what? God is still going to use it for good. Even if you end up in a situation where you don't think is ideal, guess what? God still has a purpose for you there. He still has something he wants to do in you. He still has something he wants you to do for people. He still has something that is going to serve a purpose, that is going to pave a way, and that is going to transform the world. Now, let me give you a Bible explanation of this. So there's this dude named Joseph in the Bible, right? Now, Joseph had some brothers. Okay, Joseph had some brothers, and his brothers really were enacting on that sin nature. They were really into the flesh, right? They did not like Joseph. Joseph was the younger brother, and he was always trying to act like, oh, I'm better than you guys. So they thought. He had a dream one day, and he was like, I'm going to rule over you guys one day. And you guys are like, if my little brother told me that, there would be no little brother. Or if my little sister told me that, well, she's not going to have no hair. You know what I mean? You'd be like, she is not going to sit in the front seat is what we can compare it to. You're like, that's my front seat. I've worked for this front seat. There's nobody taking this front seat from me. Like, this, this is my domain. This is my throne. I have four sisters. Trust me. I know what I'm talking about. And so you're like, this is it. This is the place. 
And Joseph was like, hey, that's going to be my front seat when the next one progresses. And you're like, oh, no, it's not. So one day, the brothers were out in the field, and Joseph's dad kind of showed him a lot of favor. He gave him this really cool cloak with many colors and all this stuff. And one day, they're out in the field grazing, and Joseph's dad is like, hey, why don't you go check on your brothers, your older brothers? And Joseph's like, okay. And so he goes to check on them, and they see him coming from a far away. And they're like, oh, there's Joseph, the dreamer. And one of them's like, you know, let's kill him. Y'all got that crazy sibling who always goes to the most extreme number one. You know what I mean? It's not like a progressive thing. It's just like, okay, let's kill him. Okay, let's rob the grocery store. You know what I mean? It's just like the craziest thing that comes out of their mouth. And they're just like, let's kill him. And then the other brother who's got a little bit more sense is like, whoa. How about we take it back a notch? Let's just push him in this really big hole. Okay. Let's do that. Let's start out there and then see how the day progresses. Maybe they'll end in murder. I don't know. We'll see. And so he comes and they should push him in the hole. It's his sister. And then the brother with some sense walks away and they're like, well, how about we not kill him? Then we can sell him in this labor and then we can make some money too. It's like selling your little brother or little sister in the yard sale, right? And so they're like, let's sell him. And so they see these Ishmaelites, this group of gypsies come in and they're like, hey, let's sell Joseph. And they sell him. Joseph's in a pretty bad situation, right? And Joseph ends up in a lot of bad places. He ends up in this house of Potiphar, who is a leader in Egypt. And Potiphar's wife has a fancy for Joseph. She wants Joseph to be her lover, right? But Joseph is making decisions based on the spirit and not on the flesh. And he says no to her multiple times. She literally takes him and makes him naked. And he runs out the house naked. Like he just darts. And she gets her flesh in acting, and she says, he tried to take advantage of me to her husband. Look, I have his robe. And he gets sent into jail. Joseph's life is being affected by this one bad decision that his brothers made. Everything is being changed. He's in jail for two years. He helps people in jail with interpreting dreams and all these cool things. And one day, with helping people from those dreams, Pharaoh had some dreams. And they say, well, who can help us? And they bring all these people. And they're like, oh, another student named Joseph who helped us once. And they bring him. And he interprets these dreams. We're not going to get into the interpretation right now, but he interprets them. And basically, the dreams is seven years of famine, seven years of plenty. Seven years of plenty, then seven years of famine. And Joseph says, you need to be smart about this. Find somebody smart to run this. And Pharaoh's like, well, who's smarter than you? And they put him in charge. What? He went from servant, jail, Number two in Egypt. Okay, and then one day, everything's going really good, and Egypt has a lot of food because he interpreted those dreams that God gave him. And Israel, where where his brothers are from, have no food. And they literally come to Egypt to get food. And long story short, they find out that Joseph recognizes them. He recognizes them and says, these are the people who put me through all that turmoil. These are the people who hurt me. These are the people who took advantage of me. He had the power to eradicate them. He, could have, he was number two in Egypt. He could have said, have these people killed just because they look funny. But he plays with them a little bit because that's what a good brother or sister would do, right? And he scares them some. But then he provides for them. He takes care of them. He helps them. And he brings his whole family to Egypt. And they're all living in Egypt. And the dad passes away, and the brothers get a little bit scared. They're like, maybe he was just helping us because of dad. And they go to him and say, please don't kill us. And Joseph said, what you meant for evil, God has used for good for the saving of many lives. 
Because if Joseph wouldn't have been in Egypt, God's chosen people, the Israelites, would have died from starvation. But God used that one decision, that one choice by those brothers, and said, you've made a bad choice based on sin, but sin has no power over the Father God. And he takes it, and he transforms it, and it was in his will, because God's omniscient and already knows all things, and he takes it, and he uses it to save all of Israel. The line that Jesus Christ came from, the line that Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, came from, God used a decision that started out in sin, that started out in flesh, and he used it for good to save all of the Israelites and to save the Savior who would come and die on the cross for us. How cool is that? So when we think about decisions, if we're acting in the Spirit, we'll make mistakes when we act in the Spirit, so don't feel like you've got to be perfect. But when we're making decisions based off of God, we can truly believe that God will work all things together for us because we love Him and we're called according to His purpose. That we won't make the wrong decision and we won't miss out on what God has for us because of God's sovereignty. See, God knows you. He knows the decisions that you're going to make. Make them based off the spirit as much as you can. And you don't have to be worried about missing your spouse. And you don't have to be worried about the past decisions that you've made. You don't have to live in the shame and the guilt of those past decisions. Because understand, every past decision that has happened, everything that has happened in your past, may have brought you to a really bad spot. But when you're in that really bad spot, you still have really big opportunity. You still have a really big purpose. God placed you there like he did with Joseph in prison for a reason. So you can see that you are loved by the Father God. So you can see that you can make a difference if you're in the wilderness or if you're in the kingdom. You can make a difference that changes people's lives and changes the world. Because you're acting in accordance with Jesus Christ. And instead of accordance with yourself and your sinful nature. How cool is that? How awesome is that? That it's not about our past that define us, but our past paves the way for our purpose. And our past paves the way for God's purpose. And that we can't miss out on what the Father has for us. I've talked to like six people in the last two weeks who have been like, man, I'm just so scared of letting God down. Or I'm just so scared of missing out on God's calling for me. Or I'm so scared of missing out of that person that God has for me. Like, I don't want to miss him. I want to be aware when that person, when that person walks into my life, I don't want them to just pass me by. And it's causing me such stress and anxiety because I feel like everybody is that person or I feel like nobody is that person. And I told them, well, do you trust the sovereignty of God? And they're like, what's the sovereignty of God? I was like, well, let's talk. And I shared this with them. If you're following the Lord, you're never, ever wasting your time. And you're never, ever going to miss out on what God has for you. Because he knows how stupid we are. <laughs> he knows how he has to lay it right in front of us for us to actually see it, right? He knows that we miss the small details. So he has equated that into his plan. That's how well he knows us. That's well, how well he cares for us. And even the decisions that you make in the future, so don't take me for saying this, are not going to be perfect. You're going to have times when your car breaks down and where nobody will fix it. You're going to have times when your car breaks down and you just don't have money. You're going to have times when it feels like you can't get to work and you're going to have times where work just feels like it's awful. 
That everybody's coming at you that you can't do well enough. You're going to have times when you can't pay your rent or you can't pay your water bill. You're going to have times where you're having relationships problems. You're going to have those times. And you say, well, Ricky, what do I do in those times? Well, here's what you do in those times. You just love Jesus really well. And you just follow Jesus really, really well. And you remember these verses that he loves you and he has called you. He has predestined you. So he already knows you. In the Greek, this word predestined right here means to know. It means that God knows you so well. That he has known you, he has justified you, and he has called you. And even in those times where you feel like you're completely alone, remember the Father is still with you. Even in those times where you feel like there's nothing but pain, remember that the Father is still with you and that He's still working things together for your good, but it's not always for your good right away. Sometimes it's for the good of somebody else so that you can love them really well. Because God told us we will suffer. God told us we will have times where we don't understand. But what we have to understand is Joseph had those times. We will have those times. But we have to see that God has a purpose even in those times. That His sovereignty covers you. That you don't have to live in the shilt, in the ah, shilt, in the shame and the guilt. I'm just gonna make up a new word. It's gonna be called shilt. Is that too close to another word? Okay, never mind. My brain don't always work like that. And uh, so you don't have to live in that shame and that guilt. You can live in the blood of Jesus Christ. Who knew that you would make bad decisions. Who knew that you had a sinful nature. Because of what happened way back when in the Garden of Eden. And he said you are always going to desire sin. But God said I love you enough to send my son to die for you. Because no matter how we look at it we're all sinners. Okay we've all fallen short of glory of God. But Jesus came and Jesus died. And when we see him. We want a relationship with him. And when we repent. And we bind ourselves to Him, then we know that He always has us. And we know that that blood on that cross washed everything away. That we don't have to live in our past mistakes. That we're not defined by the mistakes that we've made. That we're not defined by one name that somebody called us in high school. That we're not defined by abuse. That we're not defined by verbal abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse. We're not defined by those things. We're not defined by our past mistakes. We're not defined by the kind of car we drive. We're not defined by how many times we go to the gym. We're not defined by those things. But the only thing that we're defined by is a father and a son who sent his son to die on a cross for us. And now the only thing that we're defined by is the blood of Jesus Christ, which washes away that sin. Now that's the only thing we're defined by is son and daughter. Right, Sierra? Like you're a daughter. That's what God defines you as. And Donnie, he says, hey, it's cool that you didn't put transmission in. I still love you and you're still my son. You're a prince and you're a princess. You guys are royalty. That Jesus would be the first one of many. That he would enact, that he would use, and he would transform every decision, even the bad ones. That he would always have us, that he would always care for us, and that he would challenge us to love people well and to change the world. See, Jesus Christ is the one who cares.